Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome everyone to episode number 117 from Delving into Islam podcast. This is your host, Wael. And it is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a privilege that I'm able to talk to you about the religion of Islam and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is allowing me to share my knowledge with you. Thank you so much for listening and participating and sending in all your questions and suggestions. And speaking of which, if you have any questions or suggestions, please email me at delvingintoislam at gmail.com. Again, delvingintoislam at gmail.com. And I will get back to you as soon as possible, inshallah. Uh, now, this podcast is for anyone, whether you are remotely curious about the religion of Islam, or if you're thinking about becoming a Muslim, or if you just became a Muslim, or if you've been a Muslim and want to learn more about Islam, this podcast is for you, inshallah. Uh, now, with that being said, let's get right into today's topic. And today's topic is uh, a very delightful one, actually. It's a, a topic that we all like to talk about, and I'm just kidding. This is the only topic, uh, almost the only topic that people... Uh, trying to avoid as much as possible and subhanallah it's a human nature that we don't want to talk about death uh now death is something that ruins you know a nice gathering and and when you know when we're talking about our favorite you know sports or our favorite tv shows or movies or whatever and then someone starts talking about death it just ruins the mood and by the way this is such um uh, human nature not to not to want to talk about death that the prophet ﷺ himself said in a hadith uthkuru hadim alladhat mention constantly or frequently the destroyer of pleasures and and a good time which is basically death when you mention death you destroy the good time you destroy you know some uh, quality time and fun time and and whatnot so the prophet ﷺ said keep reminding yourself and ruining that quality time because when you do so, you remember the hereafter and you become better. Uh, you know, uh, life is not about life. And that statement might sound weird, but it's very true. Living this life is not about life. It's about the hereafter. It's about what you could do in this life that will, you know, take you safely to the hereafter, you know, uh, to Jannah, inshallah. But, you know, living uh, living this life is not about living eternity in this life. We, we can't live in this life forever and actually the concept of death is 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 uh, or the fact of death is something that no one could disagree on like you don't see people disagreeing on this because everyone dies no one even atheists uh can deny the fact that every single human being dies uh, now, people differ on what happens after every belief has their own, you know, uh, theory and, and whatnot. We have facts because it's coming from Allah. But death is something that is agreed upon all faiths, all beliefs, all types of people. No one can deny death. Also, death is a reminder for us to stay humble. Yeah, because guess what? No matter how rich you are, no matter how powerful you are, you will be buried, you know, like they say, six feet underground or whatever. And you'll be covered with dirt and you won't own a single thing because none of it will matter. You might find a, a company owner and founder is, is buried next to a, a regular employee, next to a farmer, next to someone who, you know, was unemployed. And it really doesn't matter. Death does not choose. Death comes to us. Every single human being who was born, when we were born, our death was already written. You know, of course, it was already written before we were even born, right? But it was blown into, like it was manifested. The, our death is manifested to us. Remember we said after 120 days, an angel comes and basically blows uh, our destiny when it comes to four things, right? To the fetus. Um, the first thing is the lifespan, how, how long we'll live and when we're going to die. This is something that's already predetermined. Uh, you know, before the creation of life uh, itself in Allah al-Mahfuz. However, we here on earth, no one knows when they're going to die. No one does. 
And the fact that you don't know is 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 very interesting because first of all, some people when they're diagnosed with diseases and so forth, they know when they're gonna die or they get they're getting an estimate. And actually, some of these estimates might be wrong. And death could come to us all of a. Someone might go to sleep and never wakes up. And well, like this happened actually in my company. Uh, we had a, a very young employee who uh, literally just we we heard the news that she passed away, and we were told that by her family that she just went to sleep. She was she did not have any type of disease. She did not have any any conditions, anything that you know. She was perfectly healthy. Went to sleep, never woke up. Simple. That could happen to any one of us. Uh, don't think that you will die according to your age or how old you are or if you have a disease. No, people who are perfectly fine, they get into accidents or they just drop dead or they just never wake up. Death comes to us like subhanAllah no matter what. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in uh, the chapter of Al-Imran verse number 185, what did Allah say? No one will be exempt from dying. No one, by the way. I'm talking about humans and, and, and creatures on earth and all these things because there's a debate regarding the the, the angels but we're talking and, and 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 by the way jinn too jinn are like humans they're all dying except for who satan who has been alive since adam time and he will die again he will taste death before the day of judgment so it, it reminds us that we are so weak we're nothing you know, no matter how strong and powerful and connected you get, you know, how many homes do you have? How many cars do you have? A mansion, you name it, a big family, wonderful. Where are you going to end up? Think about it for a second. Under some dirt. That's it. That is how you will end up. By the way, it doesn't matter if you die. Some people like, you know, gets blown into, you know, pieces or some people die uh, in the ocean eventually your body will decompose in earth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will command earth to collect your body again. Because some people say, well, what about those who cremate themselves? Yeah, it goes back to earth, by the way, when they spread whatever the dust or the cremation, whatever the, the you know, the, 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 the remnants of, of the deceased, what happens? They put it in, 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 in the water. They put it in, in the earth, in the wind. Earth takes it all back. You can't, you know, subhanAllah. And this is uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, again, from Allah's sunnah, that earth sh- is the, you came from earth. We came from earth, right? We came from mud. Where is the mud? It was collected from earth. And we shall return to earth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the chapter of Taha, verse number 55, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? Minha khalaqnakum wa fiha nu'idukum Allah is saying, from it we created you. It means earth. From earth we created you. And to it you shall return. So look at this. From it you were created. You were extracted from earth, from mud, from teen, from clay. You shall live your life. How, how, you know, it doesn't matter how long you live, how short you live. Then when you die, وَفِيهَا نُعِيدُكُمْ You shall return to earth. وَمِنْهَا نُخْرِجُكُمْ تَارَةً أُخْرَى And from it, we shall resurrect you again. It's all about earth, my dear brothers and sisters. You know, uh, like we were created from earth. After we die, we shall return to earth. And then we shall be resurrected from earth on the day of judgment. That is, it's, it's, it's that simple. And uh it shows you that this is where you came from. This is where we all came from. So don't don't be too arrogant and, and think you're too high because you will end up under, you know, under the ground. You're going to end up in the dirt. So think about this. And if you are in the biggest grave, it doesn't really matter. You know, like none of this matters because at the end of the day, uh, no matter how big your grave is or how small, and we'll talk about this when we get to the trial of the grave, but like your grave will be according that the, the width and the length and all these things will be according to your deeds. You won't feel any of this big space if you have a big space. None of it will matter. The space and the width or the you know the, the how you feel in your grave will be only according to your deeds, nothing else. 
not because uh, you built a bigger grave and you had some money. No, none of that will matter. You know, and also it shows us and it should humble us. So now the first thing is that we all go back to earth. We all go, going to get buried under some dirt, you know, with dirt. And it's, we're going to cover it. It'd be covered in dirt. Another thing that sh it should, you know, should humble us regarding death is what? No matter who you are, death will come to you. If you live in, you know, the biggest fortress, if you are protected from any person on earth, guess what? You're not protected from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No one can protect you from Allah except for Allah. Imagine this. You can run away from Allah only to Allah. So Allah is the one who could save you from Allah's wrath. SubhanAllah. So that should humble us and, 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 and make us realize that no one is above death. No one is above death. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the chapter of Nisa, verse number 78. أَيْنَمَا تَكُونُوا يُدْرِكُكُمُ الْمَوْتَ وَلَوْ كُنْتُمْ فِي بُرُوجٍ مُشَيَّدًا Look at this. Wallahi, wallahi. This is such a powerful, profound statement by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah saying, no matter where you are located, doesn't matter where you are. It does not matter. Death will come for you even if you were in Burujun Mushayyada, if, if you are in the highest towers in existence, death will come for you. You cannot escape death. If you were in the highest, most, you know, uh, powerful, most, you know, fanciest towers in the world, none of that will stop death from coming. Uh, coming to you and basically you dying. So we, we, that is, you know, our goal here to basically remind people. And why did the Prophet ﷺ, we never, you know, uh, fully talked about this part. Why did the Prophet ﷺ ask us or commanded us? Why did he command us to mention death all the time? Why did he want us to mention death all the time? For, for us to realize a few things. Number one, we will die and nothing will matter but our deeds. So work for it. Work for your death. You know, be a better person in the sight of Allah. None of this stuff in the world, you know, how to have a career and how to have a family. This will help you in this life to, you know, achieve some, you know, worldly peace. And maybe through it, you can focus more on becoming a better person in the sight of Allah. Of course. But the big picture is that you will die. And once you die, by the way, that's it. No repentance. No repentance. So you have to work for your death before your death comes to you. You have to be prepared to meet death. You know, death will come for you. Whether you are prepared or not, it will come for you. Allah said that in the Quran. And it has been proven. There is no denying it. There's no doubt about it. Death comes for everyone. However... Now, death doesn't care if you are prepared, if you did your good deeds, if you're sinning or not. Death will come to you when it is time for you to die. So it's better for you to be prepared for death before it comes for you when you're unprepared. You know, try to think about that. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ wanted us to think about death. And also it's uh, uh, an experience of humility. You know, you need to also... Uh, Understand that death, when it comes to us, the way it comes to us, people get sick, strong people get weaker, and they're all buried underground. This this is a little bit of a humiliation, right? However, you should humble yourself preparing for such a moment. If you live like a tyrant, and if you live like, you know, committing injustice and stepping on people, yeah, it won't be good for you. It won't be good for you once you, uh, you die, because again, at the end of the day, you shall be placed like everybody else underground. Now, death is, uh, the Prophet uh, described it as the first stop of the hereafter. So we, we all know that the hereafter literally starts with your death. You die, certain things happen to you while you're dying, and we're going to get to the actual process of death and what happens to every single human being. And uh, then later on, you actually, it's not over. You go to the grave, they bury you, and then there's something called the trial of the grave. Or fitnatul qabr. 
uh, as the Prophet described it, and then you will be asked certain things, and based on your answers, we, we're going to get to the, the detail of that. And then after the test or the trial of the grave, certain things, you're going to live uh, uh, in a specific way in a, a world called Al-Barzakh, also, we're going to talk about that. I promise you, this is all coming. I'm just giving you a little bit of overview of what we will talk about in, in this series. And then when it's done, there will be a resurrection. So that means that the first stop in the hereafter, you're hereafter. The Prophet said, whoever dies, their day of judgment has come. How? Well, there is not, not much you could do once you're dead. Yes, there are a few things that if you do before you die, you might still get benefits from them while you're dead. Like uh, when you pay, uh, do a, a voluntary charity that is basically uh, continuous charity, like building a water well, for example, or building a masjid or you know, do, doing things that every time people go and use those, these things, you will get you know, rewards from them. So these things matter. Uh, when you educate people uh, about Islam uh, or about something for the greater good of mankind that is never con- that, that's not contradicting to Islam uh, th- those people if they take that knowledge and then they apply it every time they apply it what happens you get benefits even if you die and, and this is by the way what we're doing right here I'm trying to be uh, you know one of the people who you know when I spread uh that knowledge, when I share my knowledge with you guys, I'm hoping that when you benefit from them, then I shall, uh, inshallah, receive uh, rewards from you know from from that knowledge, even after uh, Allah chooses you know me to die or when my time comes. And the same thing applies to you. You can, when you share your knowledge with people, any type. You don't have to have a platform or you know you don't, you just any type of knowledge when you benefit others. With your knowledge, that won't like, and they use it in their lives. What happens is, even after you die, you still benefit from it every time they use that knowledge, you know, to do something good. Uh, and the last thing that you know helps someone after they die is uh, uh, having a child, uh, a, a righteous child, whether it's a boy or a girl, who make dua for you after your death. So they keep asking Allah to forgive you, keep asking Allah to increase and higher your level in Jannah. All these things matter. Their dua matters if you raise them well. So these are the three things that will benefit us even after we die. Other than that, nothing. No, you can't. You yourself can't repent. If you did not pay your zakah, you can't go back. It's done. You know, if you did not want to fast Ramadan, you can't go back to fast. It's done. Only those three things that will help you. But if you did not do the major stuff, the obligatory stuff, yeah, it's done. That's why you should start now because you don't know when will you die. So it is the first stop of the hereafter. The, the, and, and that means you can't do anything regarding your hereafter. That's it. It's done. You've done the work. Yeah, maybe you have some deeds that are you know ongoing good deeds that are coming to you. But compared to the you know major stuff, yeah, you should try your best to be a good believer to prepare for such you know time. Because when you're dying, like I said... The, the moment that you will wake up physically in this world will be on the day of judgment. Yeah, there will be things happening between your death and the day of judgment that we will talk about. But the big one, you know, the big next, the biggest next event would be the day of judgment. And uh, it's already too late. You know, so, subhanAllah, some people actually will ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when they die, will beg for you know for them to go back and to do better but Allah will say you died once and Allah promised us tasting death once no one dies twice you know a righteous man actually passed away said hadith by the prophet and when he passed away uh, it is said that when he met Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he asked Allah uh, Allah asked him because he was so righteous Allah asked him what do you want sal tu'ata ask anything and you shall be given so look at what the man said. He said, I want you, Allah, to send me back to life so I can keep making good you know, deeds uh, for your sake, so I can keep doing good stuff for your sake. I, oh, that's all I want. I want nothing else. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, you know, noted, but you, whoever dies will never be allowed to come back to this world. You can only be allowed to come back on the day of judgment. So everyone will die once. 
and then resurrected and then you can, you won't die again allah won't allow you to you know die ever again and that could be a good thing and could be a bad thing if you did good deeds then inshallah you shall enjoy jannah for eternity However, if you're a bad human being, then you shall live a very long time. Now, if you're a Muslim, you're eventually going to go to Jannah after hellfire. But if you're a disbeliever and you died upon disbelief, then you shall be basically live all of the eternity in hellfire. And I want to also talk about this point, which is some people think that it's too harsh. You know, if someone was a disbeliever for 60, 70 years of their lives, why should they be punished for eternity in hellfire? Right? And the, the answer is very simple. The punishment has to be uh, a response to the severity of the crime. The punishment is not due to how long it took you to commit the crime. No. You know, when someone commits murder and it takes them uh, a few seconds to murder someone, the judge doesn't come and say, well, you committed murder and it took you 60 seconds to kill someone. Therefore, you will be, uh, you know, uh, held uh, accountable or you will be, you know, uh, imprisoned for 60 seconds. It doesn't work that way. Killing is, is murder is a severe crime. And the punishment for it is either life sentence or, you know, uh, execution. It, it, there's no way around it. It's And it doesn't matter how long it took you to commit this crime because the severity of this crime was very high. So the highest highest type of crimes in this existence to Allah is shirk. Doesn't matter how long it took you to, you know, stay as a mushrik or become a mushrik or even if you became a mushrik after you were, you know, a believer, doesn't matter. If you die upon shirk, you're, you're, you're a disbeliever, you shall be punished as a disbeliever, which is eternity in hellfire. And Allah even addresses this and Allah said, Allah, because Allah sees the future, and we mentioned this in the destiny, Allah sees the roads that were not taken, right? Even the things, so Allah knows that in any type of road, you would have always, the, I'm talking about the disbeliever, you would have always chose to disbelieve. Even if you were giving 10 times or 20 times or 100 times your lifetime to live in, you will still going to be a disbeliever until your time ends. Think about that. Allah says this in the Quran. So this is this is the you know, like Allah is not unfair. Do not ever think that Allah is unfair. Because I know a minority of people ask this question, which is why eternity when they were only disbelievers for a few years or you know. So that I hope that answers your question. It's based on the severity of the crime, not based on the time that it took to commit that crime. Also, it's fair from Allah to say that death will come to you at any time. You are giving because some people might be lazy. If you know, and, and that, that's a, a, a huge debate, like is it better to know when you're going to die or not? I mean, none of us do, does, right? But it's, it's a very interesting philosophical question. Do you, is it better for you to know when will you die? Now, why would Allah, you know, not tell us when we'll die for a very simple reason? Because Allah's fair. This is a fair test. If you know when you're going to live, what's going to happen? You're going to be a horrible human being. You're going to commit all the sins in the world. And a few hours before you die, you're going to repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're going to try to be your best. And it doesn't work that way. Allah made the rules. Basically, the rule is very simple. You are given a specific amount of time, period of time in this world. You don't know what it is. It might end at any second. Use it wisely and go back to Allah, repent to Allah from all the sins, become a better person, worship Allah alone, follow his commands, follow the commands of the Prophet and that's it. Very simple rule. You're given an amount of time, worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, follow his commands and the commands of the Prophet that's it. Now, if you die before doing that, that's on you. And of course, those who die before puberty, like the, 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 the minors who died, they're not held accountable, of course. The people who have um, mental issues and they can't comprehend or differentiate between good and bad, they're not held accountable. Allah understands this. Allah is fair, like I said. And He is merciful. He's not just fair. Allah is merciful. Allah actually said, Inna rahmati sabaqat ghadabi. Or like Allah saying, His mercy precedes His anger. Do you understand? But the rules are clear. If you are sane, if you are physically and mentally capable of worshiping Allah and you choose not to, then it's on you. Then you lost your chance. And your chance is your lifespan in this world.
So the Prophet ﷺ, like I said, let's go back to to the point that it is the first stop, or you know, of the hereafter, and therefore, whatever happens after that except for the three things we mentioned, won't count. And it doesn't matter if you repent or not. It is too late. Now, what happens, exactly what, what happens is that when we die, it's, it's our bodies that die, not our souls. Souls are eternal. They don't die. So souls do not die. So what happens is when you die, Allah extracts the souls and they go back to him. And they are, we'll talk about where the souls go in a second. But then your body is left there to rotten. Now, when you go to the grave, Allah will send back the soul for you to do the trial, basically to see if you're going to pass or fail the trial of the grave. And then Allah will take the soul back again and send it to a place called Al-Barzakh. Now, Al-Barzakh is literally a world between the world of the living, our world, and the afterlife and the hereafter. Uh, we don't know much about it because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't tell us much about it. We know that it exists because it's in the chapter of Mu'minun, verse number 100. Allah saying they shall stay in the barzakh until the day they are resurrected. Now, how they will feel, uh, what's going on with the barzakh. So let's, what we know about a barzakh is, is very simple. That it begins, like your journey into the barzakh begins... The, and it's not purgatory. Do not compare because in, in Christianity they believe in the purgatory, which you know you stay in a place uh, if you're a wicked soul until uh, you know you either give uh, you know um, repent and and you know follow the uh, Jesus or you know acknowledge Jesus as your, as your Lord and Savior. We do not believe in the purgatory. It doesn't exist in Islam. And barzakh is not purgatory. Again, barzakh is not purgatory. There's no, if you repented before you die, you repented. There's no repentance after you die. That is one of the major differences between the concept of purgatory and the barzakh. Uh, so the journey of the barzakh begins the moment the soul leaves the body, you know, and it ends with the, basically, you know, once, once, once your soul goes to the barzakh, and actually n- not necessarily, so the soul, when the soul leaves the body in the first time, and we'll, again, we'll talk about the process of death. It, it, it is go, it goes to Allah, and then it is sent back to your body when you are buried in a grave. And that's why we should speed up the burial, uh, 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 the burial process. Uh, it's a sunnah to wanna speed up the burial process. So yeah, so Allah sends back the soul for you as soon as you get buried. You get back your soul. Now you're gonna be in a in a world. It's not like if they open the graves after they leave, they're going to find you sitting in your grave. That's not going to happen or you're going to be alive. That doesn't happen. You are you get transported into like another dimension. So if somebody opens the grave, you're still dead in front of them. There's no soul in you. However, your body, you will feel that you're transported into another dimension, even though your physical body is here, but you'll be transported to another dimension with your body. So you're going to feel, it's not going to be just your soul that will, you know, go through the trial. But I don't want to, again, go to the process of the trial. It's not, we're not there yet. But my point is you will be transported into a different kind of dimension. Then your uh, you will go through the trial of the grave. And once it's done, your soul will be extracted again and going into the world of the barzakh. So that is what we know about the barzakh. Now, how does how is life in barzakh and all these things? We don't have a lot of detail. All we know is that time and space are totally different in barzakh. The rules, uh, the physical rules, the, the 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 rules of existence that we know it here in this world, the, they do not apply uh, in in barzakh. So barzakh is a completely different dimension, different world. Time and and, and space uh, operate there differently. Now, uh, let's talk about the issue of the soul. Now, the soul is something that we mentioned before that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't give us any hints about how does a soul operate, what is the nature of a soul. Allah didn't tell us anything. And remember when we said uh, a group of, of, of rabbis came to uh, Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and they asked him about the soul. Allah said in the Quran, in, in, in the chapter of Isra, verse number 85, Allah basically responded and said, they're going to ask you about the soul. And when they do, tell them that it is from the secrets of Allah. Allah will not share with us. And guess what? It's another proof that the Quran is from Allah. Who cracked the code for a soul? Like what is the soul? No one knows. 
No one knows what a soul is. No one knows how does it operate. What is it made of? No one in existence and no one shall understand or explain or analyze or do anything remotely to understand what a soul is until the day of judgment. People have theories. That's fine. People have speculations. No one has a clear cut answer. No one. No one has any proof of anything. And that shows you this is a miracle in the Quran that Allah said, no one shall understand the soul until the day of judgment. And no one indeed uh, understands it at all. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created Adam, he created him at first without a soul. So Allah created the body first. And Allah left the body lying in lying around. And of course, the, the famous story, or uh, shall I say the infamous story of, of Satan, uh, you know, flying or going near the body. And then he's like, who is this? What is this? And he, this is the, the beginning of the animosity that happened between him and, and, and Adam, alayhi salam. He's like, what is this creature? What's going on? Remember, we said Satan somehow was uh, was with the angels and the majority of the scholars, they say, because he was a righteous jinn. Uh, and he that's why he was there. Because uh, again, jinn at the time, I mean, still have the freedom of choice. So he chose to be a good jinn and righteous. Uh, but he had arrogance in his heart. And uh, Allah, of course, knew all that from the beginning. We, we discussed that in Destiny. So anyway, he came and he knocked on the body. Satan, when he saw Adam's body, now there's no soul in it. He knocked on the body and then you know, when you knock on something and it sounds hollow from inside, that's exactly what he uh, heard. And then he was interested to, he went inside Adam's body through the nose, flew inside. There was nothing in there. And then he came out of, you know, Adam's basically bottom. And then he said this uh, infamous phrase. He said, a body that does not have a soul that I can uh, enter it and exit it with no consequences shall be easy for me to control and this is of course foreshadowing to what's happening right now between you know uh, shayateen the devils and us they are trying to control us and the weak of us actually follow them and are controlled by them and you know the believers of us uh, you know inshallah are resistant uh, to the whispers of satan and his followers so anyway then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blows the soul into Adam's body from top to bottom. So the soul went into Adam's body from the nose. And that's why the first action that Adam did as a human being was what? Sneezing. So Adam sneezed. Look at this. Because the soul went through his nose. And then when Adam sneezed, subconsciously he said, Alhamdulillah. Thank Allah or thank God. He, he sneezed and he said, Alhamdulillah. It, was, it shows your basic instinct. He was not taught that. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responded and said, May Allah have mercy on you. Rahimakallahu ya Adam. And that's very interesting. That's why we say when someone sneezes and they say, Alhamdulillah, we say, Yarhamukum Allah or Yarhamukallah or Yarhamukallah. And basically, subhanAllah, it shows you that the first phrase that Allah told a human being, the first human being was, May Allah have mercy on you. It shows you that Allah wants to have mercy on us. Allah's mercy is actually upon us. However, many of us reject it and many of us demand even more. But it shows you that the relationship between mankind and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mercy. And we should act like Adam of being thankful. Alhamdulillah. Thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It shows you. This is, again, these are physical things that happen but has huge metaphors. A human being should always be thankful to Allah. And Allah shows us all the time mercy. We just don't know it, or we don't feel it, or we complain that you know that it's not enough. Or you know, Subhanallah, may Allah have mercy on us, uh, indeed. Now, uh, so the soul continued going down into Adam's body until it reached his hands, and he started feeling his hands. Then, and this is kind of a, a funny story, a cute funny story that as soon as he felt uh, the soul in his hands. And again, he was still laying down, right? Uh, he got up. He tried to walk. He could not wait for the soul to, to, to reach his feet. So he stood up. He tried to stand up using his hands and he fell back because, again, the soul did not reach his feet yet. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commented on this by saying what? Mankind is indeed hasty. They're irrational. They just want to go hasty. Let's do it. And it's a human nature. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's do this, let's do this, you know. And it shows you. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made that. He knows us. He created us. And the biggest proof is the first action. 
that Adam did after sneezing, of course, was he wanted to just walk immediately, even though the soul did not reach his feet yet. And, you know, subhanAllah, this was uh, very interesting. And then, then, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala extracted the souls out of Adam's body. And when he extracted the souls, all the souls of mankind, uh, my soul, your soul, everyone that you've known, all the souls of mankind, and they basically look like uh, some like illuminating dots. And here's interesting thing. There was a big, like a, a really bright dot among all the illuminating dots. And Adam asked Allah, Adam was now, uh, you know, uh, aware of what's going on. And he asked Allah, who is that? And Allah said, this is the prophet of Allah, Dawood or David, you know, David and Goliath, the father of Sulaiman. Uh, and he is a very righteous prophet who will come at the end of time. And we always make, you know, we always, wallahi, gasp when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say that prophet David, prophet Dawood will come at the end of time because he's been there for thousands of years. He's, he lived and died thousands of years ago. That means we are at the tip of the end, at the tip of, you know, we're really this close to, subhanAllah, the day of judgment. And of course, Adam was very, Prophet Adam, salam was very proud of his son from what Allah told him. So he said, oh, Allah, just give him 40 years of my lifetime. Just, I want to, you know, take 40 years and give it to him extra so he can live extra 40 years. So Allah accepted Adam's, you know, request. Then you know, later on, and we know that Adam was supposed to live a thousand years, but after 960 years, the angel of death came to Adam. And he basically told him this. He said, uh, O Prophet of Allah, and this is the sunnah of Allah, by the way, with all of his prophets. When they are about to die, Allah goes and gives them a heads up, basically. He's like, do you guys want to stay longer or you want to die now and you want to meet Allah? Now, here's the situation that happened with Adam. The angel of death went to Adam and he told him, O Adam, it's time. It's now you are at 960 years, you know, old, and now it's time for you to meet Allah. So Adam said, no, what are you talking about? I was told by Allah that I'm supposed to live a thousand years. Then the angel of death went back to Allah. Can again, they don't do anything without the permission of Allah. And then Allah informed the angel of death, go and tell Adam that he sacrificed 40 years of his life for David. That was the deal. So the angel of death went back uh, and told Adam, and Adam slowly remembered. And you have to think about it. Adam lived for 960 years, and that happened towards the beginning of his life when he made that request that he wanted to give 40 years. So it's been a minute. You know, it's been hundreds of years, literally. So yeah, he forgot. It's a human nature. He forgot. There's nothing wrong with that. And when Adam actually remembered uh, he said, oh, it is time. Um, yeah, I, you know, I now I remember. So yeah, you can take my soul. I want to meet Allah now and I'm ready. And the Prophet ﷺ commented, this is a hadith by the Prophet ﷺ, and he commented on this story and he said, Adam has forgotten the promise he made to Allah or the, the deal he made with Allah. So his progeny also forgot that we made also a deal with Allah. What was the deal with Allah? When Allah extracted our souls from Adam's body, Allah asked us, who is your Lord? And we all said, oh, I'm talking about you and me. All the souls of all of mankind who ever lived and who will ever live responded by saying, Allah, you are our Lord. You are the only one worthy of our worship. But we forgot because it's been thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And because we forgot, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala kept sending us, uh, you know, reminders as prophets and messengers with his message to worship him alone and follow the commands of the prophets. And that's why, to remind us with our old promise that we all forgotten about. Now, some of us remember those who have some lightness in their heart, some good in their heart, they remember the promise and they don't remember physically like how we, that we talk to Allah. They remember they remember in their heart that this is, it makes sense. This is our Lord. You know, we remember our basic instinct. So from this story, we can also um, realize that the soul was created before the body. You know, like the soul actually goes uh, through five stages. So the first stage is Allah created the souls. The souls are waiting. The second stage is the, the bodies are created. Now the souls go into the body. Now the third stage is the soul leaving the body temporarily when we sleep every single time. Sleeping is called the minor death. Because when we 
sleep, our souls literally leave the body, but there is a thread. There is some sort of a connection, a thread between our souls and our bodies so they don't completely leave our bodies. So that is the third stage. The fourth stage is the permanent leaving of the body after we die. And it's actually not permanent, but it's like a longer period of time now. Uh, when the soul leaves the body, when we die, so that is the fourth stage. Then the fifth stage is the permanent sending of the soul. So now the soul will reside in the body permanently after the resurrection, uh, you know, on the day of judgment. So let's, let's again, let's recap the five stages of the soul. First, the creation of the soul. Second, the, the sending of the soul into the body, the creation of the body, then the sending of the soul. Third, leaving the body temporarily every night when we go to sleep. Fourth, leaving the body for a very long time, for years and years uh, un, you know, after we die, until the resurrection. Fifth is the permanent sending of the body. So the, the souls reside in our body forever after we are resurrected on the day of judgment. So these are the five uh, you know, uh, 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 basically stages. Now let's talk about sleeping for a second. Uh, yes, when we go to sleep, we are uh, temporarily dying. You know, uh, uh, or, or or like the Prophet called it, it's a minor death. And Allah Subhanahu wa Taala in the chapter of Zumur, verse number forty-two, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala said, "Allahu yatawaffa al-anfusu hina mautiha, wal-lati lam tamut fi manamiha, fiyumsuk al-lati qadi alayha al-maut." In the chapter of Zumur, verse number 42, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us that when we go to sleep, Allah takes the souls. The souls go back to Allah. Every, every single human being, by the way, who goes to sleep, deep sleep, the souls go back to Allah. Then what happens? Allah decides if the soul comes back to your body or not. That's why a lot of people die in their sleep. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala simply would not send back certain souls to their bodies because it's just their time to die. Do you understand? This is fascinating, Wallahi. Every night you go to sleep, your soul goes to Allah. Now there is a thread between your body and the soul because you're not dead yet. Now Allah either takes the soul permanently and cuts that thread so you're dead. Or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends back the soul to your body and then you wake up. Now, this process, subhanAllah, is very fascinating because, because of a few things. Number one, it shows that we can die at any moment again, again and again and again. A reminder that you could go take a deep nap, a deep sleep, and you never wake up. A lot of people die in their sleep, and it could happen to you or to me or anybody. And it's a simply a process that Allah allows, allows the soul to go back to the body. Can you imagine? And that's why we say the dua, uh, you know, when we, uh, before we go to sleep, you say what? Bismikallahumma amutu wa ahya. Oh Allah, by your name, I die and I shall live again. Bismikallahumma amutu wa ahya. This is actually a dua that we should say before we go to sleep every night. By your name, Allah, I shall die and I shall, you know, wake up again. Do you know what that means? That means you're about to die. Every time you go to sleep, you're about to die. And you die, a minor death like, you, like we said. And then you, Allah allows you to live again. Here's a very interesting part. What is the dua that you say as soon as you wake up? Like, alhamdulillah, Allah has, you know, this is a great blessing of Allah that every single time, alhamdulillah, most 99% of the time, I don't want to say 100% of the time, 99% of the time when I wake up the first thing, and this is, it comes with practice. The first thing that I say, the moment I open my eyes, is what? Alhamdulillah, All thanks to Allah, the one who brought us back to life after he made us die during our sleep. That's, that's what's meant, the minor death again. And we all shall return to him. You guys, if you look up, this is part of the you know the uh, the dua before you go to sleep and the dua after you wake up and that proves that case again allah said in the quran in the chapter of zumur so again when you wake up you say alhamdulillah all thanks to allah alladhi ahyana the one who brought us back to life ba'dama amatana after he made us die in our sleep wa ilayhi nushur basically you're thankful to allah that he brought you back to life that he sent your soul back to your body 
Every single morning you should be thankful to Allah for sending your soul back to your body. And you admit that you know we all go back to him eventually and then you move on with your day. So this is subhanAllah very fascinating. That's what happens my dear brothers and sisters when you go to sleep. Very simple but it's very profound that you die every single time you go to sleep. This is subhanAllah wallahi. Yani it's, it's fascinating. Fascinating wallahi. Now to even... Uh, 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 you know, uh, show how how literally sleeping is part of death. There is a hadith by the Prophet ﷺ, and in this hadith, the Prophet ﷺ said what? Uh, someone came to him, and he basically, I think his name was a companion by the name of uh, Jabir ibn Abdullah. He came to the Prophet ﷺ and he said, uh, "O Prophet of Allah, ayanamu ahlul jannah, the people of Jannah, when we inshallah go to Jannah, do we go to sleep? Because you know we sleep a lot on earth when we're tired, when we're exhausted." And the Prophet ﷺ said, No. Look at this. The Prophet ﷺ said, Sleeping is the sibling of death. It's part of death. It's part of death. But the people of Jannah don't die. When people are resurrected and they go to Jannah, they are never going to die. So no. You won't need to sleep. Subhanallah. It's incredible. Allah. So the people of Jannah, here is a trivia you know, uh, uh, question for you. Do people of Jannah go to sleep? And the answer is no. And the, resp- the, the reason is mentioned by the Prophet and in the Quran too, that sleeping is part of death. And when people go to Jannah, there's no more death. That's it. So they don't even need to sleep. And also, uh, sleeping is part of why, because we are exhausted and we are tired in this world and we won't feel any of these negative emotions or feelings or physical you know disabilities that we have when it comes to you know exhaustions and whatever we won't feel that in jannah we will completely healthy completely awake and completely active but the main reason again is that sleeping is part of death and these are also other reasons why people of jannah do not go to sleep now here is another fascinating thing about uh souls which is this the Prophet ﷺ said in an authentic hadith, Al-arwah junudun mujannada. Fama ta'arafa minha i'talaf. Wama tanakara minha ikhtalaf. Okay. There are some 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 of our souls might have met one another before we were even born. Like I said, the souls were out there, you know, in, in, in a place. Probably like the scholars say, like even they were in the barzakh before. So they were in a, in a place. And they met one another. The souls met one another. And the Prophet is telling us that some souls get along before they're even the people were born for those souls, right? So my soul and your soul, probably, probably, you know, we're not saying that's definitive. Some of the souls met one another. Again, souls are a lot. We're talking about all of mankind here in all of the generations. So maybe my soul met your soul before I was born and before you were born. So the Prophet is saying something very interesting, which is what? Some souls, when they meet one another, we're talking about the souls here, not the people, they get along. And some souls don't get along. And that doesn't mean one is bad or worse. Some people, some good Muslims and good believers might not get along. It's just not, they're not clicking, right? And this is a reality. So look at this. If those people ever happen to meet, the people who got along, they will get along in this life immediately. You know, when you see, you look at someone and be like, I feel like I've known you all of my life. And you get along just fine. This could be due to that your souls met before you were born and they got along. So you easily and smoothly got along as well. And the same thing. Sometimes you meet someone and be like, I don't know, I'm not feeling that person. You know what? It's I, I tried, but it's not, it's not happening. That also could be due to your souls met before. And now we're not saying that this is the main reason. We're saying this could be. One of the reasons is that your souls met before and they never got along. And this is, subhanAllah, another fascinating thing about souls. Souls do meet one another before people are born. And some of them, now not every soul meets every soul, that's impossible. But some souls meet one another and, you know, they could get along or not, like just like human beings do in this life. And human beings getting along or not could be due to, you know, the, the that meeting that happened between the souls before. So this is another very interesting thing that I thought I would, you know, like to share with you guys. Uh, SubhanAllah. Now, when we die, most people who are witnessed while they're dying, they look up. 
And the reason why the deceased, they look up is because they see, they can actually physically see their souls leaving their bodies. Of course, they can't speak of it because immediately they die after the soul leaves. But you see them looking up because see their souls leaving their bodies. Subhanallah. You know, uh, uh, the Prophet ﷺ walked in on uh, Abu Salama. And he basically, uh, Abu Salama had his eyes open and they were looking up and he was already died. He died. So the Prophet ﷺ closed his eyes. And this is, by the way, a sunnah. When, when you see someone who died, who is deceased, close their eyes. It's a sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. And then the Prophet ﷺ said, إِنَّ الرَّوْحِ إِذَا قُبِدَتْ تَبَعَتْهَا الْبَصَرِ When the soul is extracted, your sight goes to it while it's leaving your body, while it's being extracted. SubhanAllah. This is another fascinating fact about the souls. Now, um, I want to address something like people who say that they died and they came back. That that's all shenanigans. With all the respect to those who believe that, this does not happen. Because once you die, like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, you will only die once. You you won't be sent back to this life. So those people who believe uh, that they experienced death and they came back, that doesn't exist. They just didn't die in the first place and they went like they went in a coma or whatever. Their soul did not basically leave their body permanently because if it did, the soul will never come back until the day of judgment. Because I know some people believe in it and it's just totally not true. Now, uh, what can we do when we are uh, in the presence of uh, a freshly deceased body? Here's the thing. Uh, uh, like we said, closing the eye is 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 a one thing that we have to do. It's a sunnah. Also, make du'a for them. If they're Muslims, of course, you have to make du'a for them for Allah to forgive them, and you can make du'a for yourself as well. Uh, cover their entire body. Just make them decent, uh, including the face and the head, unless they were in a state of ahram. Now, the, the people who died while doing ahram, while doing hajj, and they were in a state of ahram, you let them die with whatever they were wearing. You do not. Uh, you know, uh, change their clothes or anything like that. Also, w- uh, one of the things you're supposed to do with a freshly deceased body is to speed up the process of the burial, like we said. Uh, and it's all, again, we're following the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. Uh, now, one thing we should do if the person didn't die yet. So if you are was in, in the presence of someone who's about to die, Make sure that they say the shahada before they die. Make sure that saying the testimony of faith would be the last thing they say. Make sure of it. Try your best. Like the Prophet was trying with his uncle who was you know, uh, not Muslim. And of course, that didn't happen. And, and he died upon shirk, uh, Abu Talib. But my point is, uh, you have to try your best to uh, basically... Uh, make uh, the person in front of you say the shahada if they didn't die yet. Also, there is something profound about death and and speaking of the body, right? And and washing the body and you know pre- you know prepping the body for the burial. Something very interesting that shows you the human nature and that shows you that uh, it just shows you our nature and that human beings are uh, born alone, like the hadith of the Prophet Men and women are born alone in this world. You are born alone. Even if you had twins, each one is born separately. You're born alone with your own, you know, set of things and 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 deeds and 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 you know, destiny stuff and all these things. You're born alone. There's no denying that. And the Rasulullah said, "And we shall die alone." Now, a lot of people, and I know this metaphor, like I don't want to die alone. I want to die with my family, among my family. Yes, but you will die alone. And I'm not trying to depress you guys. I'm, this actually will make us a lot better. Reality is you will die alone. I will die alone. Every single person you know in this existence will die alone. Yes, you might be dying with a lot of people in the room, your family members, your loved ones, all these people. No problem. But the process of death itself, you will go through it just you. No one else will be with you. No one else will even feel what you're feeling. You might be there, your body might be there among your family members and your friends and your loved ones. They have no clue what's going on with you. But you're feeling everything. You're going through the process. So that is what's meant by you will die alone. Your soul will go to Allah alone. No one is going to be there with you. That's why do not commit sins because of other people. 
because they won't be there with you when you die. You will again die alone. And let's do a little test to to show you that the people, no matter how much they loved you and they sincerely cared for you, let's see how much they will be with you after death. If you have the closest person to you on earth dying, if they died, they're done. Case closed. They're they're dead. Their bodies uh, were not buried yet. You know, like uh, the body of the, the the closest human being to you ever, still not buried. Would you keep that body in your house, and for how long? Just think about it. Answer this question yourself. Your closest human being ever. Would you keep their body in your house for long? Number one, people will, you know, you will start to, a little bit, it was going to be weird, number one, that you have a dead body laying around in, in, in your in your home. Also, it will start to smell because bodies rot once the soul, you know, leaves the body. And you're going to have a very, very rotten body and, and a really terrible smell in the house. We're talking about the most closest loved human being by you. You love that person so much. Inseparable. Yet, you won't be able to stand having that person after they die in your house. Not because you didn't love them. Not because you were not sincere. It's just because it's a human nature. You won't be able to because they they're don't exist anymore. They're just a body that's rotten. And it's just it's a strange situation. You can't handle it. And you won't handle it and you would want to get rid of the body as soon as possible, even though you love them so much. And that is the reality of life. We are loving each other. We do a lot of things for the sake of each other in this world. But the matter of fact is we are alone when it comes to our deeds, when it comes to facing Allah, when it comes to death. Remember that, my dear brothers and sisters. Remember it because wallahi, it helps. Be a better person. And that, that, that's not an invitation for, to, for you to be antisocial. I'm not asking you to, oh, no, don't be close. No, but realize that death will happen to you and to you alone. Even if people die together at the same time, each and every one of them will face death alone. So just, just remember that. This is uh, something that we need to uh, always remind. That's why the Prophet said, just keep remembering death. You know, in the beginning of Islam, the Prophet ﷺ actually uh, prevented uh, Muslims from uh, 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 visiting the graves because uh, a lot of disbelievers used to do that and used to, you know, worship the, the, the dead or, you know, pray for the dead and ask them to do stuff. So the Prophet ﷺ wanted to basically cut this road and block it completely. Uh, of course, Allah gave him the permission to do so. But then later on, the Prophet ﷺ said he, is, he allows us to go to visit the graves as a reminder when you go to the graveyard and, and see the graves and see the dead people, you are reminded that you one day will be there. You will be there, buried underground. Now, the last thing I'm going to mention, inshallah, uh, before we end this, is something called the pangs of death. Sakaratul maut. Again, I, I, I apologize. I know that everything I'm telling you right now is not pleasant, but that's the whole purpose. It's not supposed to be pleasant. It's supposed to be a reminder and uh, hopefully a healthy dose of, of, of fear uh, that will make us, you know, uh, be better people. So Sakaratul Maut is called the pangs of death, which is basically there is a painful process that every single human being must go uh, through while the soul is leaving the body. Again, it's a, a painful process that basically... Uh, all of mankind, including the prophets and the messengers. So you're not any better. Don't think you're going to skip that. You won't. Uh, we'll go through the pangs of death. Sakaratul maut. Even if you look at the person in front of you who's dying and you see no facial reactions, they're going through it. Trust me. This is, uh, the Prophet, uh, the Prophet ﷺ said, Allahumma a'inni ala sakaratul maut. Even the Prophet ﷺ, when he was dying, he was saying, Oh Allah, help me with the pangs of death. Death indeed has pangs, pains. It's painful. 
Now, how does the pangs of death feel exactly? Actually, Amr ibn al-As, who is a famous companion, we mentioned his story in, in the previous season, uh, described his own death pangs by saying this. He said that when his brother was you know, sitting next to him on his deathbed, his brother asked him, how do you feel? And Amr ibn al-As said this. He said that he felt like there was a mountain on his chest. Like an exterior pressure from the outside. There's a mountain pressing on my chest. Look at this. And inside of his throat, it's as if there were needles pushing, you know, outside. So inside of his throat, there was like needles trying to push to come outside. Interior pressure. Look at this. His And his soul was being basically told to exit through that tiny hole of needles through his throat basically and that was a righteous companion we're talking about a companion here imagine this so what actually will happen to us now again i'm not trying to scare you guys this is this happened this is documented in history what amr ibn al-as said the prophet told us that this will happen to every single human being on earth it could be worse it could be worse depending on the level of faith. But even the Prophet wasallam, the most righteous human being on earth, felt the pangs of death. So, uh, we also should make the dua, Oh Allahumma a'inna ala sakaratul maut. Oh Allah, help us, support us when it comes to the pangs of death because no one will actually skip the pangs of death uh, and every human being shall you know taste uh, that so may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy on us again thank you so much for listening inshallah next time we will talk about the actual process of the extraction of the soul and how do we interact with the angel of death and we're going to talk about this an angel of death has uh, some helpers that come with him to help extracting the soul and it's very exciting stuff inshallah uh, thank you so much for listening wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh